My chains are gone. I have been set free. Who here today can can say they're free? Well, y'all don't act like you're very excited about it. <laughs> That's something to be excited about, man. When uh, when you've been in bondage, and then you've been set free, you've got something to look back at and say, "Man, I'm glad I ain't there no more." And this couldn't tie in any any better with our with the message this morning. If I would have just sat there and told Caleb exactly what to say, and if I told them the right songs to sing and all of that, it would have just all lined up perfect. Today we're going to be reading in the book of Luke chapter 7, so go ahead and, and turn there. The passage we're going to read is an account of, of a, a woman that comes and is uh, expressing her great love to Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to be here with us through this message today. Father, we come to You right now, and Lord, we just humble ourselves before You, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We acknowledge that You are great and greatly to be praised, Lord. And Lord, we just we submit ourselves to You right now. We submit ourselves to Your authority and Your power. We ask that You would come into this place, Lord, and just begin to open the hearts of those that are here today to hear Your Word and receive what the Holy Spirit is saying to each and every one of us, Lord. I pray right now that anyone that, that is, is struggling today, that they would hear Your Word and hear Your voice and and know that there is grace and mercy that abounds toward them if they will only open up and receive what you have. And so, Father, I just pray that you would do a mighty work here today, that your name would be glorified above all things, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to begin reading in verse 36 of chapter 7, and uh, we're going to be reading through verse 50, so uh, y'all bear with me as we read through this, but uh, I often, as I'm looking at these passages that I want to share with you, I, I try to get to the heart of the matter without dragging it on too long, but sometimes you just have to read in order to get the full story. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. Starting in verse 36, it says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster, alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There, were, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. 
When they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who for whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. What was the sins of this woman? I'm sure that's probably where a lot of us jump to. Immediately we want to know, well, well, I mean, how bad was it? What kind of sinner are we talking about here? Well, y'all, I can tell you, we don't know for sure. There's, there's a lot of assumptions. If you, if you read commentaries and, and dig in deep, you'll find out that there is nobody really knows. They make a lot of assumptions, and, and one of them they think is that she's probably most likely a prostitute. But we don't know that for sure. But I would just submit to you today that it really doesn't matter. Uh, let's just imagine for a moment that someone that is considered an outcast in society because of their sin. There's certain people that don't want to hang around with anyone like that. You, you probably know some people like that. You've probably encountered people like that. You can just look at them and say, man, I don't want to be around somebody like that. And, and usually that's because of the evidence that is on them of the great sin that's in their life. You, you can look at some people, maybe it's because of a, a drug addiction or alcohol addiction, and, and that, that particular sin and the effects of it has played a great part of the impact in their life, and it may have even caused a physical change. It may be that this person just has a reputation. They, because of the sin in their life, it has caused other people to talk about them. It has caused this reputation to go before them. They're well known for this sin. Jesus shares something with Simon, this Pharisee here, about this woman. His explanation for the love and gratitude that she's showing is a, such a tremendous response because she was forgiven of so much. Y'all, we sang this song today. My chains are gone. I have been set free. 
I just wonder today if some of us don't feel that same love and gratitude because we think maybe our sin was not that bad. Maybe we look at ourselves and we compare our sin to someone else's and they, we, we say within our heart, well, I'm glad I'm not that bad off. The weight of sin in your life uh, can be tremendous. It can be a heavy thing. And it's not just the, the things you've done, but it's the guilt and shame that comes with it. Because we know that wasn't right. What is the first thing you thought of when I talked about that sin today? I'm not going to call on anyone to, to tell me that thing that weighs on you, but I guarantee you as soon as I begin to talk about a great sin in your life, there's something that comes to your remembrance and you say, man, I, I wish I would have never done that. Maybe you're still struggling with it today and you're like, man, I wish I had a way out of this. I wish I could, I could step away and I have never done that and I wouldn't be dealing with the guilt and shame that comes from it now. I wouldn't be dealing with the effects of that sin in my life. I wouldn't be dealing with a bad reputation right now. I wouldn't be dealing with health concerns because of a drug addiction. I wouldn't be dealing with all of these things if only I could get rid of that. See, there is a way. See, when we're, when we're forgiven, when we come to Jesus Christ our Savior and we repent of sin and turn away from it and turn to Him and seek Him, what does He do? He takes away the guilt and shame and replaces it with joy and peace. He takes away the hurt and the damage and begins to restore you. And so I don't want to tell you today and give you a false hope that somehow magically overnight everything's going to be perfect in your life. Because even the best of Christians that walks the closest to God does not have a perfect life and they still endure trials. But you're doing it from a different standpoint. What I will tell you today is that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. There is, there is something different when the Spirit of the Lord is with you. Lately, we've talked several times over the past couple of weeks about salvation and how, how when we are saved, when we truly turn to God and receive salvation, that we become a new creation and, and the Spirit of God comes and dwells within us. And so what I just read to you is that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. And so you may be sitting here today and you are struggling with sin in your life and the bondage that it takes place because of sin. And you're saying, you know what? Freedom sounds really good. I don't really want to deal with that anymore. I want you to compare two points of view. Two situations. And these two situations are at opposite ends of the spectrum. On one hand, uh, you're a sinner. You're trapped in guilt and shame. No one wants to be around you except maybe other people that are in the same boat you're in. 
And definitely people don't want to show you any kind of love. Then on the other hand, someone that is saved, they've been forgiven, they're freed from guilt and shame, they're restored in their heart and mind, they're made a child of God and then given a place in His kingdom. Those are at very far ends, opposite ends of the spectrum from each other. How can they be so different? How can there be such a gap between those two? Now, let's narrow that gap some. You still have that far end of the spectrum where someone is walking in the goodness of God on a continual basis. And and I think all of us have encountered someone in our life that we've looked at and say, man, they're kind of fanatical about this whole Jesus thing. You, you probably know somebody like that, and, and I, I will just say, I hope you're saying that about me. I hope that's the impression I have left on people, and I know there's many people that I haven't left that impression on. But I, I, that's what I want. I want people to look at me and see someone that loves Jesus so, so completely that it's just what comes out. Everybody around me sees and knows, and, and maybe it gets to a point of annoyance sometimes. But then within that same Christian walk, you have others that are much more subdued. And y'all, I'm not here to tell you that you need to act like me. <laughs> Everybody's different. Everybody, everybody uh, displays their emotions differently. Okay, I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about that even. What I'm talking about is their walk with God is much more casual. Their walk with God is one that likes to sit at the table with Jesus and eat, but not really interested in washing his feet with my hair. Not really interested in the cost of the fragrant oil that I would have to break and wash his feet with. You see the difference. You see there's one side that says, I'll do anything to show him what I feel about him. I will make any sacrifice to praise my God because of what he's done for me. Maybe the problem is we don't love Him as much because we don't realize what He has done for us. We don't realize how great that gap is between lost and saved. We don't understand that we were so destined for hell that the only way we could ever be saved was because of a Savior, Jesus Christ, that died and paid the penalty for our sins. That's the only way, and and we don't understand how lost we were. The real problem today for most of us is how society views our sin. Some people would look at your sin, the one I brought up and that that hits you right in the 
front of the mind again. It just came up and you said, yeah, I still remember that. Some people in society would view that sin as normal. That's, that's nothing to be ashamed of. That's just normal. Here's what the Word says about it. Because, would y'all agree there's varying degrees of sin? Would y'all agree that there's like, well, it's just a little white lie? I mean, I didn't steal, it was just a little piece of bubble gum I stole. That's not, that's not real bad, is it? James chapter 2, verse 10 says, For whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Is that one little thing? I'm not trying to encourage sin today, but you might as well have done the big one. That's how God views it. It's just as bad. That one little thing, and you thought, well, I'm not really that bad. That one little thing is still going to send you to hell. Does that make sense to anybody here today? Do we understand that that, that one little thing is, is imperfection and unrighteousness, and it's not pure and it's not holy, and that is a big division between you and God. The only thing that can save you, the only thing that can redeem you, restore you, make you whole again. That one little thing is enough. That's all it takes. And I would just challenge you today to say, there's more than that one little thing. There's a whole lot more. I promise you, if you have ever sucked air in this life for more than about five minutes, there is a multitude of sin in your life. We need to gain some new perspective today that our sin, no matter how big or small we might think it is or society might think it is, separates us from God. And it will be judged if we do not repent and seek forgiveness for it. When we can understand that, then we can begin to understand the great love that Jesus had for us. We might begin to understand why some people are so fanatical about this thing. Jesus... Why people are willing to lose their head over it. Why people are willing to suffer torment and torture, uh, life in prison in some countries over this one man, Jesus. Because when you have been forgiven of much and you understand that, you love much. In 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy, who who went on to become a pastor of a church. And he kind of, Paul kind of mentored him and and taught him. And and I think that's even more poignant toward the message that he was conveying here. Because he's not talking to a group of sinners, he's talking to someone that, that he's had close communion with. Somebody that he spent a lot of time talking to that probably looked up to him. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, he says this. He says, he's, Timothy, listen to me. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance. 
This is true, and, and everyone ought to hear it and accept what I'm saying. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. This is the Apostle Paul, the one that wrote a huge portion, probably almost two-thirds of the New Testament was written by him to other people, to churches, under the leadership and guiding of the Holy Spirit. He says he is the chief of sinners. So how in the world can we ever begin to think, well, I mean, I'm not too bad. Have you ever wrote a book of the Bible? Have you ever spent years and years and years studying His Word and, and under the leadership of someone else and, and allowing God to move in you like that? Have you encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus or anywhere else for that matter? No, but this guy, he recognizes the depth of his sin and how far off he was from the mark that Jesus Christ had set. And he says, you know what? I know how much my sin was. I know how far away from God I was. And I still today, even though I've been saved and bought with the price, I know what my sin is. And I know I am not perfect. But pay attention to what he said before that. This is so important because so many people do not preach this today. So many people will breeze right past this because they want everybody to feel good when they leave. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Do you hear me today? He didn't come to create a political storm, even though that happened. He, he didn't come to, to gather up some people to go about preaching the message He wanted to, even though that's, that's what, it, what happened. He didn't come to perform miracles and heal people's bodies, even though He did while He was here. Y'all, He didn't come, huh? Listen, He didn't come to calm storms and speak to the wind and have it settle down. He didn't come to walk on water and to demonstrate the power of God, but, but He did while He was here. But what He did, all of those things, He, he laid down who He was and, and, and created Himself in this fashion as a servant. He came as a servant. He humbled Himself and, and came into this world as a servant. To save sinners. Are your sins forgiven? I'm talking to two different people today. First of all, I'm talking to the one here today that's not saved. Do you know Jesus? And listen, I ain't talking about do you know His name. Because I really believe if you really know Him, you, you kind of get what I'm talking about today. And there ought to be something in you right now that just begins to well up as you're reminded of the great work that Jesus Christ did in your life when He saved your soul. 
There ought to be something in you that just wants to jump and shout and say, Oh, man, I know how far I was from him. And he brought me in and made me a son, made me a daughter, made me his child, gave me a seat at his table, gave me an inheritance. I'm now called a royal priest in, the, in his kingdom. Huh? There ought to be something that just grows within your belly that just says, man, I just want to praise Him because I know what He's done for me. If you're sitting here today and there ain't none of that, I want to just challenge any preconceived notions you have about whether you were saved or not. And I want you to begin to dig deep right now and say, do I really know Jesus? Because if you recognize what you've been forgiven of, there ought to be a great love in you for Him. So I'm talking to the lost person today that, that doesn't know Jesus. But maybe you want to. And I'm also talking to the one today that you've walked with Him for a while. You know in your heart you're saved, and as I talk about these things today, those, those things are happening. There, there's something kind of welling up within you, and you, you, you say, you know what, I, I've kind of forgotten. I've kind of lost perspective on, on how lost I was and how great a salvation He saved me with. <laughs> Y'all, salvation is a great work. We minimize it sometimes. I think we trivialize it sometimes. We make it into this thing where it's just, well, you just walk an aisle and say a prayer and you're good to go, man. Nothing else has to change in your life. But it is a great work that He does within us. He perpetrates this great work in us when we surrender to Him and make Him Lord of our life. And we lose sight of that over time sometimes that we need to call to remembrance the mighty things God has done in our life. That's why testimony of other people is so important. That's why, by, that's why being linked with other believers is so important. Because in this world, we get so inundated with the daily things going on in this world and, and even our own sin begins to creep back in and we lose sight of what it means to be in His grace. And His mercy. And to have His favor in our life. So I'm talking to you too. If, if that's you. What's His Spirit saying to you right now? I'm going to ask the singers to come back. And I want them to sing that last song. Amazing Grace again. <clears throat> I want to ask you today if. If you're here and the Lord's speaking to you, I'd ask that you just take some time right now to worship Him, to renew that walk with Him. If you're here today and you're lost and you don't know Jesus, listen, don't leave this place today without knowing Him. Don't leave this place today without listening to the drawing of the Holy Spirit because I know He is drawing right now. If you're here today and you're lost and you're hearing this Word, you can't help but have the Holy Spirit draw you.
So if that's you, I ask that you just come down here today and, and let's get this thing straightened out in your life. That you can be saved. That you can be set free. That you can have that guilt and shame washed away in your life.